Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. If you have your Bibles with you, open them to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32. Jeremiah 32. Last week, we were in Jeremiah chapter 8. And for those of you who are here, if you remember, uh, you remember that in chapter 8, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, had, been, had surrounded Jerusalem for two years. And then, by the time we got to chapter 8, he had come into Jerusalem, destroyed the, the city, destroyed the walls, destroyed the temple. And the people were saying in chapter 8, Lord, you've abandoned us. Is there... Any bomb in Gilead? And for them, the answer was no. For Jeremiah, the answer was still yes. But Jeremiah had, uh, Jerusalem had fallen. Well, you fast forward to chapter 32. And remember, I told you that Jeremiah is not written in chronological order. So in chapter 8, Jerusalem is gone. You go over to chapter 32 and Jerusalem is still standing. Nebuchadnezzar has not invaded Jerusalem yet. Just want to get your bearings. For some folks, times are very good in Jeremiah's day at this point. For other people, times are very bad. Jeremiah 32, beginning with verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar, who was king of Babylon. The army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. Now Zedekiah, king of Judah, had imprisoned him there, saying, Why do you prophesy as you do? You say, this is what the Lord says. I'm about to give this city into the hands of the king of Babylon. He will capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, will not escape the Babylonians, but will certainly be given into the hands of the king of Babylon and will speak with him face to face and see him with his own eyes. He will take Zedekiah to Babylon where he will remain until I deal with him, declares the Lord. If you fight against the Babylonians, you will not succeed. Zedekiah is saying to to Jeremiah, why are you saying this? In verse 6, Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Now, Jeremiah doesn't answer Zedekiah. Instead, he hears God speak to him about something else. The word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shalom, your uncle, is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anathoth. Anathoth is Jeremiah's hometown. Because as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Then, just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. Since it is your right to redeem it and possess it, buy it for yourself. I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase 
the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy. And I gave this deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Messiah. Baruch is Jeremiah's secretary. In the presence of my cousin Hanamel and of the witnesses who had signed the deed and of all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. In their presence, I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Take these documents, both the sealed and the unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so that they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. These are crazy times in which you and I live. Uh, there are some among us who look at these uh, times and, and we look at them as the best of times. Things are so good. Uh, it's almost like we're uh, going down the street in a parade that is being showered with confetti. It's great. It's almost like we're almost in heaven or maybe in heaven and, and the Lord is about to, or at least maybe the Lord is about to rain heaven down on us. For some, these are great times. But others among us, and we have both of these groups right here in our own church. In fact, every church does. There are also those of us who look at the times and we look at them as anything but great. We look at them as terrible times. Times that are not good. Uh, instead of heaven almost upon us, we feel the flames of hell around us. The times for us are so bad. And so it's a, it's a really strange time. Crazy things are happening, and yet uh, you can feel one way about it, and the person next to you can feel totally different about it, and, and that makes the times even stranger. That was uh, kind of the way that things were uh, about 2,500, almost 2,600 years ago when Jeremiah wrote these words. Uh, if ever there was a time in the history, according to Jeremiah, when there seemed to be no hope, it was the time in which he lived. At this point, in chapter 32... Jerusalem is still standing. The walls are still standing. The temple is still standing. The people are still okay, except for the fact that they're hungry. Because Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had surrounded, his army had surrounded Jerusalem in 588 B.C., and they had uh, surrounded the, the city for two years, not letting anything come in, not letting anyone go out. So he was trying to starve the people out. In 586, in the fall of 586, he sends his army into Jerusalem, and they will destroy Jerusalem. But in chapter 32, that hasn't happened yet. Now, Jeremiah knows, and he's about the only one who knows this. He knows that the city's about to be destroyed. He knows it. Other people don't know it, but it's not because he hasn't told them. He has told them. He's told them in no uncertain terms. Here's what God says this city is about to be destroyed, and you need to just go ahead and surrender to the Babylonians. 
He told them that. They, they, they didn't like that message, of course. Who would? And so you have this, what seems to be a hopeless situation in Jeremiah's day. And what made the situation worse was Jeremiah is telling people what's about to happen. And they don't believe him. Uh, I can't, I cannot imagine that, uh, at least not to the extent that Jeremiah had it. We're going to find in just a moment that uh, uh, not only did they not believe Jeremiah, but because they didn't believe Jeremiah, they put him in prison. It's not a maximum security prison. It's a minimum security prison. He's under house arrest in the temple, but he can't leave. People can come to him, but he can't leave. And he's under 24-hour guard. Um, and while he's there, God brings him a message. In fact, it's a message that includes some instructions that are absolutely ludicrous. Crazy. So I want to walk through this passage because I believe there are some things that are happening in Jeremiah's day that are applicable to our day. I believe that there are some things God is saying to him that are also, uh, God is saying to, uh, to us, because in our church family, there are those who are going through some really tough times. There are those of us who are not. Things are pretty good. Uh, and what God's Word does, it speaks to us regardless of where our situation is. So the first thing I want you to notice in this passage is that uh, in contrast to everybody else in, Je- in Jeremiah's day, Jeremiah was unhappy with his times. He was unhappy with his times. He knew that the people had been so disobedient toward God that God was going to deliver the the southern kingdom of Judah into the hands of the Babylonians. For Jeremiah, that was a done deal. The time to repent had already come and gone. It was just a matter of time. He knew that. He tried to tell them that. They wouldn't believe it. And so when we get to Jeremiah 32, Jeremiah, in these unhappy times, is in prison. And it's not because he committed a crime. He didn't uh, steal anything. He didn't lie to anyone, although they accused him of lying. He did not uh, assault anybody, kill anybody, Uh, He didn't defame anybody. All in the world Jeremiah had done was he told them what was the truth. And not only did the people not believe it, but their king also, King Zedekiah, didn't believe it. And because they didn't believe it, they put him in prison. Uh, I've... I can't imagine that because I've never, uh, I've had uh, folks disagree with me before and, and as, as is everybody's right. I've never, had it, I've never had anybody disagree with me to the point that they put me in prison. Not yet. I hope that never happens. It'd be nice if that would never happen. It's not going to happen. I have had folks come to me before and they say, well, uh, I, I, will, I, I would say something sometimes in a message although these are not the kind of messages I like to preach, there are times when I've said things in a message that I, were really hard to say and hard to hear. And I've had people come to me before uh, at the end of those messages and say, uh, I don't believe God told you to say that. 
Jeremiah told them the truth. They didn't want to hear it. They put him in prison, and that's where we find him in Jeremiah 32. Uh, he had been saying what the people and the king did not want to hear. And he was telling them what they didn't want to hear because he loved them. Not because he wanted to cause trouble, because he loved them. And so he, he, when you love someone, you tell them the truth. And so he told them the truth, but they did not want to hear it. And then all of a sudden, while he's in this uh, prison under house arrest, God speaks to him. Now, as a side note, let me, let me just point this out. I said this to the kids. Let me point this out. It was in prison that God directly came to Jeremiah and spoke to him. Now, what I want to say on, uh, with that is this. Wherever you are, and some of you are in a very dark place. Some of you are not. Some of you are in a very dark place. To those of you who are in the darkest of places... I want to give you a little bit of hope right here. And the hope that I want to give you is this. God speaks his best messages and does his greatest work with you in your darkest of places. That's, that's good news. So Jeremiah is in prison and God speaks to him. Now, in this particular case, while it was good news for Jeremiah to hear from God, because in our darkest of times, sometimes we wonder if God has forgotten us. God speaks to him, but he tells him to do something that was absolutely crazy. He says to him, he says, Jeremiah, your cousin, Hanamel, you know him, son of your uncle Shalom and his dad, uh, uh, Messiah, he's going to come to you and he is going to offer you, offer to sell you a piece of property and you're going to buy it. Now, this is crazy. Let me tell you why. Because Jeremiah already knows that any day now, Nebuchadnezzar is going to level Jerusalem, invade the whole area of Judah, take away the best and the brightest of the people back to Babylon, where they will stay for 70 years. So for him to buy a piece of property when the land is about to be invaded and taken over by an enemy country, that was just crazy. And yet that's exactly what God instructed Jeremiah to do. Go buy real estate at a time when they were about to lose the land. God didn't even tell him to haggle over it. Everybody knows if you're going to buy a car or a piece of land, you haggle over it. You never accept the first, well, maybe you do, I don't know. So Jeremiah hears this word from God and uh, the next thing he knows, his cousin Hanamel is there at the prison to visit him. Now, God's crazy instructions for Jeremiah, strangely enough, gave Jeremiah both pause and hope. Now, there are a number of people there when Hanamel gets there. Hanamel gets there and he says, hey, I want, I want to offer you this land. Jeremiah agrees to purchase the land. But Jeremiah doesn't have an, uh, an, uh, an ATM 
He doesn't have an automated teller machine there in the prison. So he tells his secretary, Baruch, I want you to go down to the bank and I want you to get out uh, so many shekels of silver and bring it back to me. He brings it back along with some uh, scribes and legal authorities because even back in that day, you have to have all the documents signed and what have you. And so they bring the documents in. There's a good number of people there in the prison to witness Jeremiah purchase this property. And he purchases the property. Now, just pause for a minute. If I, if you and I are not in the transaction, but we're in that room and we're watching him, and let's say that you and I did not believe anything that Jeremiah had told us to this point. We have heard him say that uh, Jerusalem is going to be invaded, that Babylon's going to take it over. We don't believe it because God's not going to let his city, Jerusalem, be invaded. He's not going to let his house, the temple, be destroyed. It's not going to happen. And so while things may look bad, we know that in reality things are really great because God is on the verge of coming in and, and helping us. And so we hear Jeremiah saying that, those, that, that the city is going to be destroyed. But then, look at what he's doing. He's purchasing property. Now, if I'm standing there or sitting there, I'm thinking, this proves that he's been lying to us all along. This proves that Jeremiah has been lying to us. In fact, what he's done is thievery. What he's done is he's told everybody that the land's going to be destroyed, and so that has caused uh, property values to plummet. Then he goes in and he purchases a whole bunch of property around his hometown of Anathoth for certainly rock-bottom prices. And when we find out that the land is not going to be invaded, when God does deliver us, the property values are going to go back up. And what's Jeremiah going to be doing? He's going to sell that property and he's going to be the richest man in Judah. This proves that Jeremiah was not telling us the truth. So things don't look good for Jeremiah. God says, buy this property. And I know that this had to give Jeremiah pause. What? What? God? What? You ever, has God ever asked you to do something really illogical? Something that just didn't make sense for you in your life, but you just felt strongly that it was God who was telling you to do whatever it was that you felt him telling you to do. And so it, it, while it didn't make sense, you trust God enough that you're going to do it. And so it gave Jeremiah pause, but it also gave Jeremiah hope. Because what God was saying to him was, look, Jeremiah, I want you to buy this property because while, yes, the people of Judah will be invaded and they will go into Babylon into captivity for several decades, there will be a time when the people will come back. I will bring my people back and they will build houses and they will plant vineyards and they will purchase land again in this place. In other words, uh, while yes, things are bad and they will be bad for a while, they won't be bad forever. There's hope. So what does this have to do with us? What does it have to do with us? Well, in Jeremiah's time, some folks were happy and some folks weren't. So let me talk, first of all, to those who, like Jeremiah, are unhappy with the times in which you live. I want to say two things to you. First, 
what you interpret as bad times, they're going to last a while longer. They're going to last a while longer. What did God say to Jeremiah? Jeremiah, I want you to buy this land. However, I want you to know that you will take all the documents, put them in a sealed jar, a clay of, uh, jar, uh, clay jar, and you'll put them, have Baruch, put them in a safe place because after a long time, I will bring the people back, but it's going to be a long time. So what you are experiencing, Jeremiah, is going to last for a good while longer. That was the bad news. So if for you the times are not good, know this, they're going to last a while longer. The second thing, though, that I think that you need to hear, that we need to hear if if times are not good, is this. Better times are coming. Things for you will change. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what crisis you're going through, I've said this before and I'll say it again, we are either going into a crisis or we are in the middle of a crisis or we're coming out of one. So if you are in a place where things are really good, what I would suggest to you is enjoy them. Thank God for them. Enjoy them while you can. Because they are not going to last forever. You will at some point go from that wonderful parade with confetti into a time of darkness. But if you're in that crisis, if you are currently right now in that time of darkness, know this. You will not stay there forever. God will bring you through it. He'll bring you out of it. He will. But it may not be tomorrow, or it may not be next week, or next month, or next year. But He will bring you through it. Most folks in Jeremiah's day were happy with their times, believe it or not. They were. That would change. It would change very soon. Nebuchadnezzar would come in and things would change. He would destroy their city. He would destroy their temple. He would take them away. Most folks in Jeremiah's day, though, at this point in chapter 32, were very happy. Most people I know in our world now are very happy. Things are good for them. And so I say to those of us for whom life is good, enjoy it. But get ready. It's not going to last. Mark my words, the times they will be changing. And for those who are happy now, there will be darkness later. For those for whom life is dark now, there will be hope later. It just depends on where you're sitting. And I've never seen a time in my life where people are so clearly seated in different places. Have you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you alone are the God who gives hope. 
You give hope when everywhere we turn, it looks like there is no hope. And people can come and they can shake our hands, they can give an encouraging word, and they can give a hug, and all of that is great, and we love it, we appreciate it. But still, you're the only one who can truly give hope when there is none, or seems to be none. So, Lord, help us to, wherever we are, whether it's very dark or very bright, where we're sitting, help us to place our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.